And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Athletic Baseball Show for Thursday, August 3rd. This is On Deck. I'm Stephen Nesbitt, joined by Levi Weaver. The air has cleared. The smoke has lifted. The trade deadline is behind us, Levi. Uh, a whole lot of stuff changed. Some of it familiar as ever. Justin Verlander, an Astro. Jamer Condelario, a Cub. But a whole lot else. Very different from what it was a couple Joe days ago. Joe Kelly is when a last Dodger. Spoke, I mean, it just... That's right. They're all over the place. When last, when last we spoke, uh, I was in the, the boonies of Pennsylvania, and Max Scherzer was just heading to um, to join the Texas Rangers, so we covered that then. But uh, how was your trade deadline? Are you, are you hanging together? Look at me. Do I look like... I mean, my our audio guests are not going to be able to see this. I'm wearing a Nirvana t-shirt, and I look like I should be playing in a bad European Nirvana cover band. Uh, no, dude, it's been a very long two days <laughs> just trying to keep up with everything. Uh, there were approximately, uh, by my count, 7,524 trades made in the last two days. And I was just trying to keep track of all that for the uh, for the newsletter. Meanwhile, I did get out to the park yesterday. I got to listen to Max Scherzer, who, by the way, on a Rangers team that is uh, full of Pretty good baseball players who are pretty boring quotes. What a breath of fresh air for Max Scherzer to just come in and in his very first answer, drop a bombshell on the entire league by saying, uh, yeah, the Mets told me they're really not planning on competing next year. Actually, they were going to trade uh, me, Justin Verlander. Like, even if you're under contract for 2024, that doesn't really matter. You're up for grabs. And um, the entire world gasped and Scherzer just shrugged and was like, yeah, all right, I'm ready to go play some baseball now. Got those competitive juices rolling. <laughs> not my team anymore. Not my problem. Yeah, not as as the uh, video that we all watched in 2003 or whatever said, not my chair, not my problem. Probably only five people not watched chair, that. Not my problem. Probably only five people. <laughs> A lot of words I can't use on that one. Yes. Hey, what are we doing today's show? Uh, today we are going to talk about the Mets. We are going to look at our series of the weeks, and uh, we're also going to do an arms race thing. And I am just really, really hoping that my I built up that early lead, and now I'm just trying to nurse it. I just I think I need like two more wins to seal it. I haven't really done the math on this, but we got to be getting close. I think I think I'm close. Yeah, um, this is going to be, uh, I'm hoping to take this all the way to the finish line, but uh, not optimistic. We had uh, Max Scherzer outduel Justin Verlander oh, on the last weekend as as Mets. Scherzer and, won? Um, because I was under yeah. the impression that Verlander had, uh, like when we last spoke, you were like, it looks the numbers look like Verlander's going to go ahead and pull this one off. Scherzer won. No, I was I was pretty confident it was going to be, I'll pull this up for a second. But here, first of all, let's get into our Mets okay, discussion. Yeah, let's I'll, do it. I will, I will, I will get it to us. Um, so the Mets... Came into the week uh, acting, talking, sounding like uh, committed sellers. They realized uh, the score. They understood where they stood in the standings. Things had not gone well despite having a 
historically high payroll. And and some of what they did made made total and complete sense. And no one's going to argue with trading Tommy Pham to the Diamondbacks, Mark Canna to the Brewers, David Robertson to the Marlins, all sensible stuff. Um, but the big question marks, the two big question marks were what do you do with Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer? And, you know, if you're planning to win in 2024, you 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 expect you'd keep the two Hall of Famers uh, that you've offered more money to than anybody else offered to them. And uh, Verlander in particular has pitched really well, so he still seems to be um, in somehow peak form despite being over 40 years old and coming off a of Cy Young um, and an injury earlier this season. So what they decided to do is leverage Steve Cohen's money to offload those two 40-plus starters, or will be 40 in Scherzer's case next year, and get good players in return. But it just, I think, history will look on this as as just kind of like, what was this era of baseball where they're paying, in Scherzer's case, $35 million to get Luis Angel Acuna, who is good, but not Ronald Acuna, and could be good, but also could just be like a good prospect who doesn't pan into something you know spectacular for the Mets. And on the other side of that one, Verlander, who, like I said, had been great, especially in his last handful or so of starts, he goes to Houston, goes back to Houston. They're going to pay between, I think it was 35 and like 54 million, depending on whether his um, option vests for 2025, which is like, let's be, let's be real here. Like this is larger than a lot of payrolls of the amount of money you're willing to just fork over to other people right. to get a prospect or two prospects more than some teams payrolls, like decent teams, Tampa Bay Rays. You're, you're like exploding past their, their payroll, the whole payroll number and the amount you're able to like, you're willing to just eat and to, to once again, to not employ these guys who are hall of famers. And, uh, t- in order, uh, in, re- in return, the, the Mets get Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford who are, both really good prospects. They were uh, top five guys for the Astros, top three maybe actually for them. And I'm going to pull up the top 30 prospects for the Mets right now and, and, and see if it's been updated. I would imagine all three of these guys, Acuna, Gilbert, Clifford, probably all in the Mets top uh, five, top 10 I certainly. did, I did see so that Acuna get... had been put on, like I think he was number two in the Mets. Now we'll see if that's been changed now that the Astros guys have raised. I was close. Uh, the way it stacks up right now um, – uh, is Kevin Parada is is their number one prospect uh, according to MLB Pipeline. Then Acuna is second. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio third. Drew Gilbert uh, Mauricio close to the majors too, uh, so he'll be graduating before too long. Gilbert number four. Jet Williams uh, shortstop is at five. And then Ryan Clifford is six. So yes, I understand why you do this. You see some of these other names. Uh, Marco Vargas is at nine. They just picked him up. Justin Jarvis at fifteen. They just picked him up as well. I, I understand why teams do this. Um, I didn't. I didn't see the Mets as the team to do this. Uh, Cohen no. has been outspoken about his desire to make the farm system a lot better. And he's he's used the Dodgers as the example. We need to have the self-sustaining um, farm system. But at the same time, I have all this money. And so I'm willing to spend it to make right. it good today while making the moves to be better tomorrow. But the net result here is it looks like them taking a, a very measured and huge step backward. Um, and it all comes out, like you said, Max Scherzer he talked to reporters in Texas. He talked to Ken Rosenthal. And what he's saying is, yeah, this team is telling me we're not going to compete in 24, which is his last year, uh, would have been his last year with the Mets, uh, would have been uh, would have been Verlander's last guaranteed year with the Mets. So if you're not going to try to be one of the big dogs in 24, I understand getting rid of those two guys. And um, But it's also a surprise to hear the Mets after – going for it for what, like a year, two years, um, 
suddenly saying, yeah, we're actually going to, we're going to need 24 to like, we're going to need to back down the, the expectations. Yeah. Uh, that's just not what I expected to hear from, from uh, Queens. The level, the, the unhinged level, like is, it's the sort of thing you would expect from like early era AJ Preller with the Padres, right? Where he had a smaller payroll to work with. And then all of a sudden it was kind of like, oh, we'll open up the, the, strings of the purse a little bit here and it just i'm trying to remember what year it was where they just vacillated wildly where they like went all in and they got matt kemp and like just went nuts and then immediately turned around and flipped it and were like no psych we're gonna take it all the way back down they trade james shields they get fernando tatis it worked great for them like they they did fine but it was just it was wild and it was an example of like kind of a it was Preller's first GM job. He finally had the the steering wheel for the first time. And it, it, it felt like it took him a year to like really steady things in from just like driving like a Muppet and going in ah, into the ditch and ah, mountain. And ah, okay, 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 okay. All right, we're on the road. Whew, that was close, you know? And it feels like maybe this is Steve Cohen just like going mountain ditch, mountain ditch until he gets it a little <laughs> bit, you know, centered in the middle. Um, and the thing is, Mountain and ditch is uh, is fine when you're driving like a Hot Wheels or like one of those little things that when you were a kid that had the little batteries and you're like a uh, fence uh, sidewalk uh. when you're driving like a, a private jet and you are swinging that wildly. Then that's where we get things like this, where it's like a hundred million dollars for Scherzer and Verlander. Psych. Just kidding. Let's do Ronald Acuna Jr. Let's get this uh, prospect thing built up. Ideally, they'll get it sort of centered down the middle and fly smoothly a little bit, but it is maybe just some growing pains of, you know, somebody learning the job, learning what it's like to, to have a successful major league franchise, but doing so with more money than God. And it's like, yeah, yeah boy, <laughs> it's going to, it's going to, you're going to make some waves. And that's exactly what happened here. Yeah. It, over the weekend, I was part of, uh, I guess over the last week, part of a, a team at the athletic writing trade grades for every you know notable trade that came up. And it was interesting doing these for Verlander and Scherzer because Mets fans immediately are like, give us the W or the A plus. Right. Um, look, what, look what we did. We got rid of Scherzer, who hasn't been good, and we got Anacuna, and we got rid of Verlander, who is old as the hills and is owed $43 million every year. Uh, and maybe in 2025 when he's like 55 years old, uh, so good for us because we got back a first rounder in Drew Gilbert. We got back Ryan Clifford, who's been raking in the minor leagues. And all of this is happening like before the money comes out. And I don't think the money impacted their thoughts at all. Because on one hand, it's not my money and it's just right. money. And that's a smart way to use money to buy prospects. But on the other hand, yo, you cannot tell me like we just, we, the, the organization deserves an A for eating like upwards of 80 some million dollars potentially. Uh, in order to get three prospects, uh, yeah, that's uh, and it's not uh, like I've seen enough prospect lists that don't pan out to to not really want to believe too much that Drew Gilbert, Ryan Clifford, and Luis Angel Acuna are going to be all stars for you know years and years. Right, and it's not like these trades exist in a vacuum. It's not like Steve Cohen woke up one morning and was like, "Somebody did what? We have Scherzer and Verlander on our payroll. Oh, who did this? We're all looking for the guy who did this." Let's try to fix this problem. Like you have to take into context, like he's the one who signed them. So you can't give a team an A when they're just maybe correcting. I don't want to say signing those guys was a mistake. Like I like, I like the unhinged. Yes. Let's go win now. It's why I, for the yeah. first time in my life, I'm kind of like, you know what? All right. 
respect angels. Like, is this the smart move? Absolutely yeah. not. Is this going to tank your franchise <laughs> for a decade? Yeah, probably. But you know what? Forks in the cannon. Let's go. You know, like I appreciate that level of of go for itness, but you can't you can't just take this trade out of context and be like, yes, we solved this mysterious problem that just has existed since the beginning of time. No, you did this to yourself. Sure, you may have turned it into some great prospects. Hopefully it's going to work out great for you, but you have to take the big picture. Like you you solved a problem that you created. Yeah. And and you're also creating another problem because you and don't let's let not let this be lost. You don't have Scherzer and Verlander anymore. Right, you need right. someone to pitch in 2024 they had to and the rest of this season and part of 25. So they had to you trade no longer have these guys. That's Bill part Bickford of, and Adam Kalarik. Like you had, like you ran out of pitcher. You traded so many people that you had no more pitchers left. And you're like, oh crap. Who look Bickford and Kalarik? Yes, let's take those guys on. Let's make this work. All right, that's enough Mets. Let's get on to the uh, the games to come this uh, this weekend. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Directv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Directv has the most MLB games. Call one eight hundred Directv. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So my series of the week, I've got Dodgers and Padres. I've already likened AJ Preller to a toddler driving a car into a ditch, so why not talk about the Padres? Sorry, AJ. Um... I thought the the Dodgers had a very interesting uh, trade deadline, not always for the best reasons. In the plus column, they brought in Lance Lynn. He pitched seven innings on Tuesday night. It's the first time a Dodgers starter has gone seven innings since Clayton Kershaw back on. I didn't write down the date, but, you know, he's been on the IL a while, so it's been a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brought back Joe Kelly, who is always fun to watch. Please, God, let them face the Astros at some point again this year. And uh, Ryan Yarbrough from the Kansas City Royals. On the subtraction side, Phil Bickford and Kalarik. Bickford had been DFA'd, um, had a 514 ERA, wasn't that great. Did get a really great strike call from Phil Cuzzy, and I think that's what we're all going to remember his 2023 season for. Adam Kalarik uh, had an ERA of zero. It was only in an inning and a third. He also had a 240 ERA in uh, Oklahoma City this year. So like a reasonably good pitcher that the Mets picked up for literally just cash, which, as we all know, does not 
matter in uh, in Mets land. Uh, Dodgers also sent Justin Bruel. How do we say his name? Bruel. 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 Doctor Steve Bruel uh, to the Rockies also for cash. So, um, but the but the most interesting thing that happened to the Dodgers was they had a trade in place to the Tigers um, for uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. And that was their plan B. Justin Verlander was who they wanted. He went to the Astros. All right, baby, let's go get Eduardo Rodriguez. Plans are in place. And Rodriguez looked around, saw the 2023 Detroit Tigers and was like, no, nah, man, I'm good. I'm, I want to stay here. He invoked his no trade clause. Yeah. And that to me was maybe the most interesting decision of the entire trade deadline. And I, I tweeted about this yeah. like people have their reasons they've got family they don't want to pitch for the dodgers like whatever but it's just we're so used to hearing baseball players go heck yes man sign me up i want to go play for a world series no matter what i will go play on a team full of criminals and play in a prison yard if it means i get a world series eduardo rodriguez has, yeah. he's been through some things by the way the last few years had the heart condition he's you know it's he was on the uh inactive list earlier this year it got injured earlier this year also. And for whatever reason, and kudos to him for invoking a clause that he and his agents worked hard to get. He was like, no, man, I don't want to do it. Didn't do it. And the Dodgers were stuck um, with nothing. They got nothing. Um, the Padres, on the other hand, yeah. another fairly confusing trade deadline. They were going to be sellers. They were going to get rid of Blake Snell. They were going to send Josh Hader out. Instead, they swept the Rangers and at the last minute were like, actually, I think we're good. Let's go buy who can we get that's going to help us go win a world series and they settled on um 95 year old rich hill g-man Choi, and then at the last minute they got scott barlow from the royals um they also did pick up garrett cooper and sean reynolds from the marlins they traded ryan weathers for him so they they made some additions are those the sorts of additions that are going to help them in the playoffs i i mean no disrespect to rich hill he has been a very good pitcher for a very long time, but I don't know what really that he's going to be the guy that makes the difference to help him overcome this five game deficit in the wild card. So that's uh, not really a series preview so much as it is a trade deadline review, but a couple of very interesting deadlines for those teams in the NL West. Yeah. I was curious with the Erod news coming out not the deadline. Um, you know, a lot of times guys will use those opt-outs. People are like, why, why are you including the Dodgers on your list of 10 teams? There are so many other teams to, <laughs> to avoid getting traded to. Mm. And a lot of times these guys are using it as leverage. You'll use it. Uh, you saw it in the Lance Hill trade. Um, he had to he had to approve both the Rays and the Dodgers. He ended up going to the Dodgers. But a lot of times they use it as leverage to whether they have an opt-out or they have a player option or they want to get something guaranteed. And um, it sounded like for Erod, this is more of a personal thing. want to be closer to family. And our, yeah, I respect that. He was out for a lot of last season due to personal reasons. And um, so so good for him, good for his agent. And the Tigers really, I mean, we're, we're grading winners and losers and, and snoozers. Uh, at the deadline, I had him as a loser, big loser, because to come out of this year with only Michael Lorenzen as as the guy you got to flip and for a, a decent prospect, good prospect, but um, but not be able to capitalize on anything else was a big disappointment. That to me, like, and I heard the same as you, that he wanted to be closer to his family on the East Coast. Like, that to me seems like a failure in management to not go talk to the player and go, look, here's the deal. You know, like you see our record. There's a chance you're going to be traded. You have this no trade clause. What are you thinking? Like, tell me your thoughts. Where do you want to be? Who should we pursue this with? Because it's not like there aren't East yeah. Coast teams that could use a starting pitcher, right? Like the, the Atlanta Braves did not go get a 
starting pitcher, they're going to need Max Fried to come back and be very good this year because they didn't really add to their rotation. Could you not go, all right, let's talk to the Braves. And maybe we're not going to get as big a package from the Braves as we would the Dodgers, but at least we know the trade will go through as opposed to just like springing it on the player and having him go, I'm sorry, what? No, no, I don't want to go. I don't. I don't want to go yeah. to LA. Yeah, you, I can't imagine there's. It's not a conversation you have with the agent leading up to the the deadline. They know the ten teams on his list, and so you have. Let's say there were there were four contenders on that list. Uh, that means twenty four teams you could still trade him to, um, or that might have interest in him. And you go to the agent and say, "Hey, here are these four teams we think might be interested in Erod coming up uh, in the coming weeks before the deadline. Any thoughts? And right. he, and he reads because we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the Dodgers if. Uh, if he's uh, vehemently against going to the Dodgers. Right. And it sounded like the Dodgers were shocked, shocked by his decision. You know, surprised and never had any thought that he wouldn't he wouldn't do that. So I don't know how the agent isn't more involved in here in this in these conversations, but but uh, here we are. This was so telegraphed that he was going to get traded. This news broke like, what, an hour before the deadline? At that point, you've wasted so much yeah. time trying to get this deal nailed down and get the details right. And then now you got to turn and try and, you know, flip him somewhere else. It's too late. Like, do you communicate just communicate. And again, yeah. I'm way on the outside looking in. I don't cover the Tigers. I don't know what process they went through. Maybe they did all this and just like tried to ramrod it through at the last minute. I don't know. But from the outside looking in, it does seem to be a just a failure in communication. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I love unexpected Tiger stock. So we'll see what happens there with Erod. He has the opt out after the season. If he keeps pitching well, he's going to opt out and, and walk for nothing. And uh, if he gets hurt or pitches really poorly, he might opt in and the Tiger will have a second chance to trade him. But it seemed like this was pretty much the peak of his tradeability, although the injury and the recent poor performance uh, kind of got in the way. Anyway, we got to get on to my series of the week. I picked uh, Cubs and Braves. Uh, now, this is an interesting one to me because the Braves are uh, sort of in a cakewalk to the to the finish line here. They, uh, small moves only, didn't need to, need to make big moves. Nicky Lopez, they added in a really strange move with the Royals where uh, they basically got him for free. And then the Royals were like, hey, uh, they got Taylor Hearn for free. Sorry. And then the Royals were like, hey, can we give you Nicky Lopez, a, like actual dude for Taylor Hearn, who we just got for free? Um, and uh, so that happened. And Pierce Johnson and Brad Hand came over from the Rockies in separate trades. I love that. Mm -hmm. GM's just picking up a conversation where they left off a few days earlier. Um, but the Cubs are the more interesting one to me because um, I've I've invoked this before. The Pirates, when they went to get Chris Archer, uh, it only happened because they went on a ridiculous tear before the deadline. They were not a contender, mm -hmm. and they suddenly got themselves up to 500 and decided we should go get a starting pitcher after having traded Garrett Cole a couple months earlier. And so they go do that, and it's a huge mistake. Right. So the Cubs didn't make a huge move like that, but they did allow their hot streak before the deadline with a team that I do not believe is a contender or particularly close to being one. Um, they allowed that to to push them into buyer territory. So instead of trading Marcus Stroman, instead of trading Cody Bellinger, they went and got Jamer Condelario, the best rental bat on the market, fills a need for them. Uh, other than that, I think Jose Cuas was was a reliever they brought in, but no one real else of consequence. Um, I don't see this Cubs team as a whole lot better. Uh, I think I marked them as a snoozer. I, I could have had them as a loser, only because I don't think they, they got nearly close enough to... Um, to, I understand there's a fan base that demands you you go for it and you really try. You got to go to get me, Rich Hill. Just getting Jamer isn't. That's right. To me, getting Jamer doesn't do enough for the team to put him over the top. And so uh, I would have rather seen what they could have got for Bellinger and for Stroman. But uh, here we are, two guys that'll that'll be headed for free agency after the season in all likelihood. So um, the Cubs need to start winning soon if they're going to make some noise. They're not far back in the AL or in the NL Central. But uh, but do need to make some some noise soon, and, and facing the the Braves right after the deadline is an opportunity, I guess, to prove themselves. But certainly a difficult uh, mountain to climb. So that's the one I'm going to be watching this weekend. I want to just 
give you, you know, applause for um, <laughs> referencing not only uh, Dr. Steve Brule, but also uh, uh, drinking out of cups. This has been quite the episode for people <laughs> yep. who were in college in the, in the 20, I am 2000. 100% <laughs> showing my age here. <laughs> All right, Levi, it's that time again, time for the On Deck Arcade. Uh, if you're new to listening, every weekend we do the arms race uh, where we each pick a starting pitcher who's pitching this weekend and um, and put them up against each other. We look at the game score 2.0, which is a fake, uh, fake stat made up on fan graphs that we live by. And um, last week, oh, just to update you on this. Yes, Max Scherzer did indeed win 65 to 63. It was tighter yes! than I expected. Scherzer's on... on on the surface, seem to have a much better start. Um, so that's going to put you up, I think, nine to three on the year. And uh, and as much as that smarts for me, I'm going to go ahead and let you pick first for this weekend. Okay, so the rules of this game are you can only pick one starting pitcher from each team, right? So I last yeah. week went with Max Scherzer. He was on the Mets. I cannot, pick, an, <laughs> I cannot pick another Met for the entirety of the season. I can, however... No! Pick, pick a member of the Texas Rangers. So I'm going with Max Scherzer against the Chicago White Sox on Thursday. It lines up great. He is newly motivated. He's on a new team. He's facing the horrible Chicago White Sox. I am going with Max Mad Dog. Mad Max, sorry. Mad Dog is his pitching coach. Mad Max Scherzer <laughs> against the White Sox. Final answer. Boom. I really like that. I haven't used the Rangers yet, so I may be able to double up on him. Um, actually, let me, let me check. If I use the Astros yet this season, I have not. So I could I could double up on you Verlander. You could do Verlander. Do here. it. Oh, let me, let me, let me give everyone everyone hang on here as I look at the uh, the probables here in Houston. Uh, shout out Framber Valdez, by the way. No hitter. Sure. Uh, right after right after he was acquired. Ooh, it's at the Yankees though. Are the Yankees bad enough to do this? Their offense uh, has been I'm horrible. Gonna, I'm gonna. I know they've been horrible, uh, and everyone's mad. Okay, fine, I'll do it. Yeah, just for the just for the loss. Um, Andrew Abbott would have been my would have been my uh, backup. Would have been a uh, much better pick. In <laughs> but we're here for the bit, um, and uh, and that's that's gonna do it for us. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you uh, once again for sticking with us through this trade deadline. Uh, we've had a we've had a wild time. Uh, so much stuff on the athletic. Go look at it. All the trade grades, uh, snoozers, winners, losers. Read the uh, the newsletter, and 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 now things just chill for a little while. We see the the contenders sort of sort themselves out. What, what do they say? Pretenders, contenders. That's where we. That's the part of the season we're entering now. So it's the sugar good crash times in the baseball of season. The baseball season. Let's all take a nap. It really is. No, really, it really is. And if you're a fan, if you're a fan of a team that's a seller, I'm very sorry because uh, the next two months will be ugly. You can find our work all week long at theathletic.com. Subscribe to the Athletic for two dollars per month for the first year at the Athletic dot com slash baseball show sign up for the wind up the athletics daily baseball newsletter with levi and ken rosenthal for absolutely free coming up next in your feed it's the 3-0 show uh dvr eno saris and bridge aroli uh they're gonna have incredible takes coming off the deadline um always good to listen to their thoughts give us a follow on twitter levi is at 3-2 ephus and i'm at Stephen j nesbitt the two of us will be back on monday with more of what's on deck scherzer versus verlander round two baby let's go
Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.